Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There was something said on our show yesterday that's got a good that has gotten a good bit of attention. And so I want to talk about that for a couple of minutes here. A, just to sort of react to what some people seem to have thought was a very interesting thing. And B, to kind of also talk about what that might mean for Georgia on Saturday. Yesterday, we were very lucky to have the terrific college football analyst, used to work for ESPN, probably still should, David Pollock. Let me move my Christmas tree over so people can see my Christmas tree a little bit better. There you go. So we were very lucky to have David Pollock on our show yesterday. Really fascinating conversation. And one thing in particular that David said seemed to get a lot of attention and making the comparison between Georgia and Alabama and what's going to play out what's going to go down for this Saturday's SEC championship there was one thing about the upcoming game that David Pollock says that he knows for sure and boy a lot of ears perked up when David said this let me let you hear this this is from our show yesterday if you missed it out of all the things in the game the one thing that I can really say with with confidence is Georgia's the best coach team. Georgia's a better coach team than Alabama is. And, and I say that because Georgia doesn't beat itself with turnovers and penalties consistently over the last couple of seasons. If they find a way, it's the most unbelievable thing that you can be disciplined and you can be tough and you can be physical and have hot, these five-star kids with flash and all the stuff, but get them to all speak your language. And, and Kirby's done a great job of that. And that's, that's crazy to say coming to this matchup a couple years ago, five years ago, that, that, that Nick Saban would be outcoached by anybody. But to me, Kirby's proven that his program and the way he runs it, they're the standard. And now Alabama gets to go, okay, just don't forget about us, homeboy. So yesterday on our show, David Pollock saying Kirby Smart right now is a better coach than Nick Saban. A lot of Georgia fans agree with that. A lot of Alabama fans were kind of fired up about that, getting a lot of attention on the program yesterday. Now, I think this is interesting for two reasons. Here's reason number one. A lot of y'all know what happened last year on the ESPN set of the national championship game. David Pollock is talking. Nick Saban's sitting right next to him. And David Pollock basically announced that the balance of power had shifted in college football, whatever the exact words were that Pollock used, that basically Georgia was now kind of running the sport. They were they were on top of the sport. They had toppled, you know, the, the sport, basically. And a lot of y'all remember how viral that clip went because you've got Nick Saban sort of sitting there, sort of sullen-faced there at the end. And, you know, he's all, you know, kind of pouty about all of that. And the entire visual of that went really viral. In fact, I don't have time to play this audio for you, but I want you to go back to yesterday's show. It's around the 50-minute mark or so that the David Pollock interview begins. And David actually tells a really interesting story about this particular moment, about not realizing how viral that clip was going to become until a little bit after the fact, seeing what the reaction was. David even tells kind of a private personal story about reaching out to Nick Saban after that, and they had a little bit of a private conversation about all of that. So so David goes into a lot of detail on yesterday's show about that viral moment a year ago in which he kind of proclaimed Georgia to now be the kings of college football, and Nick Saban had to sort of sit there and take it. And that's a really interesting story that David tells. So if you missed yesterday's show, you need to go and listen to that. I think you'll really enjoy that. But it's the context of that that sort of makes this so interesting for me. Because as David acknowledged yesterday, he knew a bunch of Bama fans were going to be ready to come after him this week on the basis of what he said a year ago. And yet on our show yesterday, he essentially kind of, he essentially kind of doubled down on that as an idea saying, in this game, Kirby Smart's the best coach. And in this game, I believe that Georgia will be the best coach team. It's a very strong statement, especially in light of the fact that Bama fans are kind of already very open-eyed about David because of what he said a year ago. Really, really provocative opinion David expressed it yesterday. But Here's what I think is also interesting about that particular idea, that Georgia on Saturday will be the better coached team compared to the Crimson Tide. There is obviously one place where that really needs to show up. If it's true that Georgia is better coached than Alabama right now, that Kirby Smart has surpassed in terms of his in-game strategy, his management of the, uh, the moments of a game, just his overall presence as a head coach. If it is true that right now Kirby Smart has surpassed Saban, not the legacy, not the resume, not the history, but in terms of who you want coaching your team on this particular Saturday, if it's true that Kirby is now better than Saban, 
obviously the place that that's got to show up is for Kirby on his side of the ball the side of the ball that he knows best defense you've got to find a way to stop Jalen Milrow and this Alabama running quarterback who can also kind of buy himself some time to also make some big throws when he needs to including to win the Iron Bowl there on Saturday if Kirby is the better coach in the game the place that's kind of got to show up is right there in that spot and the one thing that we've seen a lot thus far this season is against these kinds of quarterbacks and frankly quarterbacks who are probably inferior to what Milrow is going to be on Saturday against these kind of quarterbacks that's not quite been a strength for Georgia so to kind of further this discussion and sort of set it up for what it needs to to be and where it needs to go today here's more from David Pollock on you know why is it that Haynes King had such a good day and other quarterbacks have had such a good day oftentimes with their legs on the ground against Georgia here this year you know what does that say about the Georgia defense here right now? And once again, incredibly candid on yesterday's show, David Pollock's assessment of the UGA defense going into Saturday against the Crimson Tide. It's weird feeling human again. We had a couple of years of superhuman play from some absolute freak shows that uh, were great players, but you can't find those every year. And, and here's the thing I'll say about the defense. First, you lose those guys. It's very hard now to plug in new guys who are younger, obviously up front, that they can even remotely do some of the same things that those other guys could do. So it's a learning curve. On the edges, I think we're, we're vastly different than we've been in the past. It's a combination of attrition. It's a combination of some youth. But it's also, we were so good for so long, the expectation raised and raised and raised. And now, realistically, this is not a defense that's going to pitch shutouts. This is not a defense that's not going to give up points. And you're going to feel comfortable with every single situation. So I think that's a very realistic assessment from David Pollack. Now, what David knows, and obviously you all are very well aware of too, is that statistically speaking, Georgia is still near the top in most defensive categories. This is still among the nation's best defenses and pound for pound it actually might still be the best defense in the country uh that's probably up for discussion but it's certainly in the category of you know maybe best defense in the sec nick saban said that earlier this week among the better defenses in the country that's at least true but david's assessment of it is human now it's not this superhuman collection of like avengers the way it would have been in 2021 or you know whatever you know 2022 offer with the likes of jalen carter when he was healthy nolan smith and on and on this is a little bit of a different kind of feel for this Georgia team on Saturday. They are not a guaranteed team to pitch a shutout the way oftentimes it felt like they were the last couple of years. We've said before that it is just a very realistic possibility that Jalen Milrow is going to have some success on Saturday. Alabama is going to get theirs to a certain extent. So once again, it kind of circles back on what David said to, to begin the show here today and what he said on our show yesterday, which is, if Kirby Smart really is the best coach in the game, then taking what is still a stellar defense, albeit human, and finding a way to limit Jalen Milrow as much as you possibly can. That's what this comes down to. It's not pitching a shutout. It's not five first-round picks. It's not All-Americans at every position, although still be very talented guys at a great number of positions. But it's maybe not quite what it once was, but it can still be good enough to get the job done on Saturday if the game plan is at the level that it's supposed to be. That's sort of the challenge awaiting Kirby and this Georgia defensive staff and these Georgia defensive players on Saturday. And Kirby Smart, to his credit, does not shy away from how prodigious of a challenge that is, acknowledging full well in a very sort of colorful metaphor here, comparison, about exactly how talented he views Jalen Milrow to be and exactly how significant the issues are with trying to stop him. Listen to the, uh, I think, very interesting comparison that Kirby made about Jalen Milrow to another great athletic quarterback just a couple of days ago. Here's Kirby Smart. No offense to Tim Tebow, but he's, he's this guy's different. You know, Tim was, uh, you know, he was just, it was a different, different running style. You know, very different running style in terms of, uh, what they did and how they did things. Um, this guy's, I mean, it's like when I was when I used to ask my, my sons who they were playing with on the Madden game, and they would say, I'm playing with the Ravens. And I would say, why are you playing with the Ravens? And they would say, I got, they got Lamar Jackson, and nobody can tackle him. Well, this guy's a, a bigger physical version of, of that. He's playing at a different speed uh, than everybody else when you watch it. And that's the way the Madden game was for him. And, uh, you know, people – and the guy throws the ball really well. 
So that's Kirby Smart laying it out in no uncertain terms about how difficult it is to stop Jalen Milrow when he wants to run, making a comparison to Lamar Jackson, who's kind of like the modern version of what maybe Michael Vick would have been, you know, a couple of decades ago or whatever. We all kind of had that idea of the great running quarterback. What Kirby Smart says is the current version of that is Jalen Milrow. So let's get like specific about this for a moment. If Kirby Smart has a chance to show his greatness as a coach and his defensive assistants have their chance to show their greatness by limiting Milrow, not stopping him completely because no one's going to probably do that, but limiting him somewhat, then specifically, how do you do that, right? Kirby Smart, uh, going back to a little earlier this week, kind of got into more detail about that. The question posed to him was, well, do you use a spy on him? Meaning, do you have a defensive player who kind of stands there and watches the quarterback and gets ready to move with him whatever direction that he moves, uh, knowing that at that point in time, that player is kind of somewhat limited from helping out in other areas? Do you use a spy on him? Do you do something different? And this is where Smart kind of got a little bit into the mechanics of how it is you do try to stop a running quarterback. Uh, this is more from Kirby Smart, uh, kind of getting into some specifics a little earlier this week. If you're going to stop a quarterback run, you're not spying a quarterback because, I mean, some, some of his most explosive plays are drop back passes that people are doing their job, and he becomes the runner, and he takes off and runs. Whereas a QB design run, you usually know within the first – one second or, or millisecond of the play, whether it's a design run or it's a drop back pass. So on a drop back pass, if he takes off and he's the best athlete on the field, you've got maybe seven or eight guys that got a chance to tackle him because he's already passed the first ones. Whereas on a, on a design run, you know it's it's meant and blocked for him to run the ball. You can't put a spy on that. You got to fit your gaps. You got to do gap control. You got to have fits. You got to get knocked back. You got to get off blocks. So. Yeah, people do do try to spy him, uh, and their spy can't get him on the ground. So uh, everybody's had a different plan of action, and everybody's done it different ways. And we'll try to put together what our best plan of action is. But if you don't stop the quarterback runs, it never gets to the point he has to throw it. That phrase knock back there, that's a phrase that Smart kind of used after the tech game a little bit too. And a lot of you know that Kirby said, hey, go back and rewatch that film. You know, I don't know that we had it as poorly fitted or, you know, as you know poorly, uh, I guess, you know, planned at times as maybe we just didn't quite get enough knockbacks you know didn't get through blocks maybe you know you know didn't quite uh you know i guess drive the uh the, the ball carry into the ground you know didn't have enough quite knockback stuff there on saturday now yesterday uh kendall milton told us that georgia had maybe its most physical practice of the year uh this tuesday so maybe some of that knockback stuff of really kind of meeting that point of attack with the utmost physicality maybe that's something that georgia on saturday is ready to do i mean the overall bottom line for me is kind of simply this i've told a few people this week that i'd give anything not to have the emotional connection to this game that many of us sort of feel because how fascinating is this chess match right now the game within the game of you know a very smart coach like Kirby Smart trying to devise a game plan to stop a running quarterback a very smart coaching staff like what Alabama has knowing their quarterback somewhat limited you know he's not a great passer intermediate routes things like that but there's a way to use his skill set to give you potentially an advantage in the game like wouldn't you love to just watch this football game play out these coaches match wits against each other these great athletes seeing how they're deployed in a game like this from a football standpoint it's fascinating however for most of us it kind of goes beyond just being just a football game we have a lot of emotional connection to it but the actual battle of wits the chess match the game within the game is certainly probably a fascinating one and I think that a lot of Georgia fans should take comfort in what David Pollock said on our show yesterday in the clip we played for you to begin today's show that at this point in time Kirby really might be the best of these two coaches at one point everyone was looking up to Nick Saban Saban was the guy in control of the sport but after two straight national championships maybe that's no longer true and if it is no longer true if Kirby really is that guy right now, surpassing even the greatness of Nick Saban, then limiting Jalen Milrow on Saturday is a great way to show that and a great way to prove that. If that happens, then Georgia once again could be well on its way to go for three and 23. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, and so thankful to our friends at Breda Pest Management, who make it all possible. Whether you join us 945 for our first and 15 on dognation.com or on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. across all video platforms after that, radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcast platforms all over the place. We're just really, really happy to have you 
pick one of those platforms, uh, find one that works for you, and then allowing us to kind of narrate the experience of getting ready for this big game on Saturday. What a great privilege that is for us to be able to do that for you and with you here this week. So thank you so much. And all of the ways which we kind of stretch out and reach this uh, you know, show to a wide audience, we would not be able to do that without great sponsors like our friends at Breda Pass Manager. I can promise you this. I've seen Matt at the uh, SEC Championship now a couple of years in a row. Uh, at least, if not more than that. So I know how much he loves this game, and I know how much all the folks there at Breda Pest Manager are getting ready to see the dogs bring home another SEC title on Saturday. Part of the reason why I'm sure that's true is because Breda Pest Management is the official official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means they're taking care of Sanford Stadium and all those athletic venues, keeping it bug-free, critter-free, and they can do the same thing for you there as well. But the good news for you is it's not just the prestige of saying, hey, I work with the same company that UGA works with. It's also the opportunity to kind of put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision. So if you're working with a termite company right now, let me tell you how that's probably going for you. I don't know you, but I know this about you. You've probably gotten that letter in the mail recently where cost of service is going up. Oh, you know, everything's more expensive. So we're going to have to raise our rates for you there as well. And you may feel like while the cost of service is going up, the quality of service you're getting from whatever company you have been using, perhaps it's going down. And that's why you want to consider making the switch to Breda Pass Manage because they're going to put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision. We're about to enter a time in which the transfer portal is going to be open. Maybe you need to enter the transfer portal and find a brand new company to take care of your termite protection. Our friends at Breda Pest Management can do that for you, and they can put more money back in your pocket just for making the switch. So find them online, bredapest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, bredapest.com for a lot more on that. All right, here's what's coming up on our program today. We are going to hear from the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, coming up before we're done. A couple of things specifically to get into with Jake. One of those being, you know, the idea of the so-called Alabama mystique. Jake played in a couple of uh, tough luck losses for the dogs against Alabama. How does he view that now that Georgia in 2021 got over the hump and beat the Crimson Tide? What does that do for the vibe around Saturday's game? Jake will tell us more about that. Also, Jake was on a Georgia team in 2018 that played in the SEC championship, knowing that Mel Tucker was about to leave to go become Colorado head coach. What kind of distraction did that create for the locker room? Jake will tell us that in light of the Fran Brown news from yesterday. All that's coming up with Jake Fromm. Uh, and then also, before we uh, get more to the Fran Brown thing, let me remind you there as well, that if you go to dognation.com right now, there is still, I believe, I haven't gotten an update on this, but I believe it's probably true, still a small, limited opportunity for you to be a part of our Go for 3 in 23 tailgate gate home depot backyard on saturday it's from 1 p.m till game time there three hours uh, of all-inclusive food beverage a go for three and 23 t-shirt while supplies last there on that a chance to hang out with some of the dog nation folks i know i'm very much looking forward to being a part of that there on saturday uh, we'll do a live broadcast or maybe two from inside there uh coming up on saturday and it's just going to be one of the great dog nation traditions something we've been lucky enough to do for the last few years there's no better tailgate experience no better opportunity to get like the closest tailgate to mercedes-benz stadium right there at the home depot backyard so if you can join us we'd love for you to go to dognation.com find out more details about that jump in there while supplies last get your go for three and 23 t-shirt take advantage of a wonderful all-inclusive beverage food tailgate right there next to mercedes-benz stadium on saturday i hope to see you there dognation.com for more details on all of that now Let's go around the doghouse, poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And I want to get more into what I just alluded to there, that yesterday Georgia did get some news as Fran Brown, the terrific defensive backs coach who had worked with cornerbacks here, was announced as Syracuse head coach. Now, let me say this really quickly about this. This is not relative, relevant to Georgia necessarily, but I just think it's big picture overall. I think it's pretty wise for teams like Syracuse and others to be a little bit more outside the box where they're thinking about who their head coach should be in other words there's been some chatter well maybe Dan Mullen should have been Syracuse head coach maybe they should have gone this way maybe they should have gone that way I like the idea in this particular case obviously we like Fran Brown but for a program like Syracuse it's been down for a while Dino Babers didn't quite work out I mean the odds are that whatever you do is going to lead to only kind of middling results because for a long time that's kind of all Syracuse has really been so why not roll the dice here on the idea that you kind of find the next big up-and-coming thing? And that means you have to kind of reach beyond the boundaries of the names that other programs are considering hiring. That, to me, is what Fran Brown sort of is. So 
at a time in which most coaching hires end up being somewhat disappointing why not be a little bit more creative with the choice you make so from that standpoint I commend Syracuse for kind of doing that as it relates to Fran Brown a lot of energy knows the Northeast being from New Jersey obviously a terrific recruiter that's been you know stated now many many times so I commend Syracuse for making this sort of outside the box coaching decision and frankly I think more programs ought to do things like this the coach do you hire is going to probably be a failure no matter what so why not take the risk on the idea that you hit really big which is what this potentially is for brown he's very young very inexperienced but it's also a chance that you really find the next big thing that just simply wasn't on the radar for other programs so i commend syracuse for thinking outside the box on that as far as the reaction from georgia to brown leaving kirby smart gave a quote to syracuse about this i want to read this to you from kirby we'll show you this to you on the screen here fran brown taking the job uh syracuse sharing this quote from kirby smart fran is excellent no ego he's trustworthy smart and he's worked really hard during his two seasons here to earn an opportunity like this he's built great relationships in our building our players love him and we couldn't be more excited for him uh is it tira as i say his wife's name and their family this is kirby smart speaking to syracuse university about to hire fran brown obviously kirby can afford to be that kind of magnanimous about this decision because we believe that much the same way that smart found fran brown when few seem to know about him whoever georgia hires as its next cornerbacks coach will likely have a chance to sort of feel like he's sort of cut from the similar cloth and have similar recruiting jobs and the similar kind of boundless energy the things that kind of define fran brown whoever georgia hires next you would probably assume it sort of feels like the, the the same kind of thing here that's what georgia has just been very good at and even though fran brown is a tremendous recruiter and has shown up as a key aspect in a lot of georgia's recent recruiting wins when it comes to defensive backs cornerbacks in particular the truth is is georgia's also been recruiting defensive backs very well for a long time and georgia as a program has more to sell than just the position coach that's going to be coaching that individual player in fact i'll invite folks to check out a story from jeff centel at dognation.com yesterday where he kind of got more in detail about that with uh, uh, uh ellis robinson's mom who kind of talked about the fact that georgia sells more than just one guy when it comes to that particular route or recruitment and speaking of you know robinson yesterday probably among the most prized recruits for for Georgia in its class of 2024 he sent out a message largely being interpreted as a reaffirmation of his Georgia pledge in light of Brown moving on there'd been some wonderment of well does Fran Brown leaving mean a guy like Ellis Robinson might leave there as well Robinson putting it out yesterday the very simple hashtag go dogs we'll show this to you uh, in modern times that's a pretty big signal there that Robinson is staying with UGA despite the fact the position coach he thought he was playing for is now moving on to Syracuse Georgia fans take that as really good news how though about the idea of the impact on Saturday's game Brown thinking about Syracuse possibly coaching maybe not we don't know all the details on that but yesterday we did hear from Javon Bullard and Bullard kind of talked about from the perspective of Georgia the news about Brown at least according to what Javon Bullard says this really isn't changing anything about Georgia's preparations for the game at all Bullard I think gives you some calming and comfortable words here for some Georgia fans who perhaps were a little bit concerned about this this is what Javon Bullard said about Fran Brown yesterday take a listen to this I mean, we had it before. I mean, Coach Lennon got the Oregon job sort of kind of close to this time. And, uh, you know, we ended up finishing that year pretty good. So, um, like I said, keeping the main thing, the main thing, man, Coach Friend, is, he bought in today. He came to practice. He brought energy. He brought juice. I mean, he's still the same old Coach Friend that we knew him, man. So, it's not a distraction, man. If anything, it's just the show, like, you know what I'm saying, that these coaches do a tremendous job. And when, you know what I'm saying, new opportunities and promotions like that happen, it's just a, you know, saying a true testimony that, you know, what I'm saying, look, like they have lives too, you know, they we're not the only people achieving our goals, you know, and they have goals and aspirations that they want to accomplish. So, like I said, hat goes out to those friends, man. How much do you love Javon Bullard, by the way? I mean, what a great perspective he shares on any number of topics, including Fran Brown right there, and I think for Georgia fans who maybe were kind of concerned of in a game like this against Alabama, where you desperately want to win there's extra energy and emotion around that that goes beyond just an sec championship you also want as little distraction as you can possibly get and so when you hear about the fran brown news while i think most georgia fans are happy for fran there's also this thought of oh but what does this mean for saturday 
Well, Bullard says there, Brown was still at practice, still coaching just as hard as ever, still just as energetic as ever. We've been through this before. Dan Lanning just a couple of years ago. We won the national championship that season. No reason why that can't still happen here right now. And I, I think most of us probably assume that was probably true. But to hear Bullard articulate that as well as he did, I think kind of serves to, to offer some comfort for UGA fans who are kind of following every twist and turn with this program here right now. And that is around the doghouse. Here today, poured by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And one of my absolute favorite things about the uh, SEC championship is its sponsorship with Dr. Pepper. Because what that means is, is that that means Dr. Pepper's all over the place in the press box there on Saturday. In fact, I talked to our buddy Jonathan from Dr. Pepper uh, this week. So he said that um, also a lot of the sweets are, are kind of stocked with Dr. Pepper too. So he has to get to, to Atlanta earlier uh, than most early in the week. And he's like stocking all these sweets with Dr. Pepper. The press box is like completely stocked with Dr. Pepper. It's uh, you got the fountain drinks. They got the cans. You know, it's just it's Dr. Pepper wall to wall and uh, we really do love that it's one of our favorite things so it's a reminder to you that as you're watching those fansville commercials this weekend as you're watching all those halftime challenges that go on with dr pepper it's a really great clue for you and a cue to remember uh, that dr pepper truly is the ones that fans deserve so try some here this weekend whether it's the uh, strawberries and cream the strawberries and cream zero sugar or the more you know kind of classic flavors like the diet dr pepper the dr pepper zero sugar or uh the rich flavor of the original dr pepper whichever one uh you like it's a great time to do that here this football weekend because i can promise you for all these championship games especially the sec championship dr pepper is going to be all over the place so dr pepper brings around the doghouse to us here today all right before we're done as we said before busy stuff coming up with jake from on the feeling of winning an sec championship and coming up a little bit short against the team that george is playing on saturday and the potential distraction of having an assistant coach moving on uh, we'll do all of that with Jake Fromm here coming up in just a little bit. But for now, update from Athens, preparations for Alabama, and everything else happening around the program. Let's talk to Mike Griffith here. Get a Georgia Farm Bureau insider update. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, we'll jump right into it with Mike Griffith, Georgia Farm Bureau insider update here today. Not going to slide my Christmas tree away so people can see the Farm Bureau thing. Uh, but, Mike, uh, obviously yesterday big news as it relates to Fran Brown taking the Syracuse job. I think this is one of those guys that from about the moment he arrived here, uh, you had the sense of, oh, well, it looks like George made a really good coaching hire. This is a guy that made an immediate impact in recruiting, seemed to be a very good position coach as well, working with the guys on the roster, and now he's off to Syracuse. We've heard from Javon Bullard on today's show reacting to that. We'll have Jake Fromm on this here in a little bit there as well. What's your immediate reaction to the impact for Saturday's game now that Brown has let it be known he's on his way to Syracuse? I don't think it impacts the game at all. Um, you know, you think about Kirby and Muschamp, and they work with DBs. And, um, you know, I, I would guess Fran's going to coach this game. I haven't heard anything. I read Connor's story. I think it said in there they weren't sure, uh, you know, what's going to happen there. But I, I don't think it has any impact on Saturday at all. Uh, moving on then, uh, the other news that comes out from uh, Georgia yesterday is obviously getting transfer portal getting ready to open up. Uh, the first name we kind of see in there from a Georgia perspective is Darius Smith. That's not a huge surprise just given some of the chatter that sort of existed around Smith thus far uh, over the course of the last you know couple months or so. We obviously expect a lot more Georgia names probably pop in there as well. We Frankly, we expect uh, just a lot of names around college football in general. A lot of that's kind of already started. So I guess go ahead and give me your early read on how this transfer portal thing is going to play out, specifically how it impacts Georgia. There are rumors out there of pretty well-known SEC names that are perhaps targets of UG we can speculate although i'm not comfortable doing that too much uh about you know georgia guys who perhaps are looking to go elsewhere we assume it's going to be double digits at least uh you know kind of what do you make about the soon to open transfer portal that happens like right there on the other side of the sec championship i mean yeah it happens every year at georgia you know you look around the college landscape i think there's 16 georgia guys that are on um, fbs rosters in the 2d um 11 starters at one point this season so, I mean, it, it, it comes with the territory when you recruit really well and you stack up good talent. And players are going to have opportunities to go other places, and I know fans don't like that, and um, it's really kind of um, ugly when they call them names. Coaches leave, too. You don't call them names. I mean, it's regular students leave. I mean, this is just part of the landscape now, and, um, and Georgia will probably be trying 
to get some players. I mean, they took Mississippi State's best receiver. They took Missouri's best receiver. Um, they have an All-American, former All-American from West Virginia, Tyke Smith. Um, you know, Georgia will try to get players also, and I would expect Georgia to be very active in the portal, um, especially when you look at their running back room. And I know they have one good recruit coming in, but as we've, we've seen, um, particularly of Noah, I should say, but as we've seen, there's a lot of injuries uh, at that position. Um, I don't think Georgia has probably done their best job stocking the running back room. That's probably an A. I don't think Del McGee has quite lived up to the hype in terms of of late stocking that room adequately. Um, so I look for them to be active there if they can find the right fit. Um, you wonder about uh, you know what happens with, with Georgia's quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think we know if Carson Beck is coming back yet or not. Uh, you can make the case that he, if he comes back, there's there's great riches ahead. Um, Carson's come a long way this year. Uh, but but he's already gained a lot of attention, um, and he he may want to cash in uh, and leave Georgia uh, because as we know, um, nobody's job is ever safe at Georgia. Um, he could come back and ultimately lose his job. <laughs> you just never know. Um, but I, I don't think that would happen. Um, but I also think that if he went pro, he, he would probably be drafted and maybe even be drafted to be a starter. You know what's fascinating to me, Brandon, is so much of this is all up in the air. Uh, you know, I think back to last year with Florida's Anthony Richardson, and oh, all season long you said, there's no way this guy is going to leave. There's no way this guy's going to leave. And then he left. And I look at Jalen Milrow, and I think the same thing at Alabama. I think, you know, this guy's a redshirt sophomore. You know, what if he has a deep playoff run and people see the talent, you know? I see the same thing with Carson Beck. What if he throws for 400 yards against Alabama and 500 yards in a playoff game? So uh, there's a lot to be determined. I think Kirby knows as much as he can possibly know at this point. Um, but at the same time, there's so many unknowns that have yet to play out. Um, I do know this. I think the reason why George has won 29 games in a row is that Kirby Smart is, is the best uh, in the game at roster management. I think he's the best at talent evaluation. Um, certainly uh, the developmental standards at Georgia have proven themselves in the draft. It's a very attractive place uh, for student-athletes. Uh, I'm sure some of the ones that, that leave do so kind of begrudgingly. Wish they could have stuck around, but just weren't able to make that starting lineup or get in the two deep. So last year, and this is obviously assuming Georgia wins on Saturday, comparing it to last year, Georgia did a very good job of keeping most of the portal stuff pretty quiet as they were kind of you know in pursuit of their uh, you know national championship. Do you think they would be able to have similar success with that this year, knowing that there are obviously guys looking to look around, and most of those guys we would assume are not necessarily the key contributors to this championship run here right now, but nonetheless not creating the distraction, not you know kind of taking headlines away from the team? Do you think that Georgia would be able to have – a similar level of success in not allowing that to become a distraction? I do. You know, I think Kirby and his coaches have really good relationships with the players. And again, that's why I can't stress enough to fans that try to avoid the name calling and the ugliness when players leave. I mean, these are, these are very cordial dealings most all the time. And, and Kirby's on board. Um, look, the fact of the matter is Kirby wants some attrition. Kirby wants some guys to leave. He needs scholarships for the next class. Um, you know, it, it's a business transaction. It's not what it used to be. And I think Georgia manages this as well as anyone. Like you said, I mean, I, I think about Carson Beck. And, uh, you know, last summer he did a podcast uh, with some out-of-state group and said, yeah, he did think about leaving. He, you know, there were people that approached him. Um, we hear the stories about Quay Walker. Um, you know, at one point thought he was going to leave. And, and the coaches sat him down and talked to him. And lo and behold, he became a first-round draft pick. So, there's so many great stories. I asked Amarius Mims just a couple of weeks ago. Marius was behind the podium, and I reminded him of a conversation I had with him um, after the national championship game last year in the locker room. And, and uh, he pulled me aside and said, man, just make sure you let people know how much I love my teammates and, 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 and how much it meant to me that they loved me back when I came back from that trip at Florida. I said, no, man, I got you. You know, I'm, I'm all right, everything he said. Um, and I asked him to reflect on that. And, you know, he, he looked and, um, and decided that, you know, the grass wasn't greener. And, you know, that's a guy that people can go to and say, you know, hey, Amarius, you know, um, you, know you, you kind of stuck your toe in the water and went down there in that Florida State visit. What was it like? And, um, you know, what were your thoughts about coming back uh, when, you know, you, maybe you weren't starting? Um, so there's plenty of testimonials of guys that, uh, you know, that, that Kirby wants to keep, like you said, 
um, you know, that end up sticking around. There, there's a few that get away. Uh, Georgia didn't want Bear Alexander to leave. Um, you know, Bear was a guy that was mentoring some of the younger players. They'll tell you, Bear was a good a leader for them. And, um, you know, but unfortunately for Georgia, um, you know, there was a financial, uh, you know, opportunity for Bear that his family and him thought were, were better. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty as we look at USC. So, um, you know, and then there's success stories. You know, look, Jermaine Burton, uh, you know, it, it was what it was with the quarterback situation at that time and the direction of the program. And, and, you know, obviously Jermaine felt like there were opportunities elsewhere. And He's Alabama's leading receiver right now. I don't know that that would happen uh, if he would have stayed at Georgia. I don't know that it wouldn't. Um, you know, but, but Kirby made it clear earlier this week there's, there's no ill will. It's a business deal, just like Fran Brown leaving. He's, he's going for an opportunity. Um, people have to understand that. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith. And obviously here in the uh, state of Georgia, we're getting ready for the big one on Saturday, both involving Georgia in our state, in Atlanta, the SEC Championship. And obviously a lot of Georgians excited about that. And nobody understands the feelings of Georgians better than the folks at Georgia Farm Bureau because they are Georgians themselves. That's what we say. They are always the home team. They understand what your life is like on a daily basis. You're driving to work, you're coming back home, and you're meeting your kids, you're meeting your family, and you're, you know, you're living life. And you know, kind of underneath all of that are the insurance products that help make sure all of that goes the way that it's supposed to, to go. The vehicle that you're getting around in, that's that's your livelihood. You're driving to work. Many of you drive for a job. That vehicle insurance, obviously a really important part of your life with that being understood. Same thing with your home insurance there as well. The source of your greatest financial investment in many cases. Also, the emotional connection you have. Obviously, that's a very deep thing there as well. And Georgia Farm Bureau gets all of that. They're friendly agents. They're folks who are handling your claims and kind of walking through that entire process. The adjusters, they all get all of that. That's why they're always the home team. So find out what Georgia Farm Bureau can do for you from a home insurance standpoint, from a life insurance standpoint, from an auto insurance standpoint. Their website is GFB. That stands for Georgia Farm Bureau. GFBinsurance.com. One more time, that website, GFBinsurance.com. Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. All right, Mike, let's finish with this. Uh, Give me your thought here. Georgia-Bama on Saturday. A, how do you see this playing out, if you're ready to describe that? And what's it going to take for Georgia to win this game? Well, obviously Georgia's going to have to play better than they did last week, but that was a tough ask. Uh, I think you've probably canvassed the officiating, and um, certainly Georgia Tech puts a lot of emphasis on that game, and Georgia had some key players out. Um, I also don't think it was uh, Carson Beck's best game. So much is on Carson. So much more is on Carson Beck um, than probably any Georgia quarterback Kirby's had um, because of the nature of the offense. And I think Kurt Carson has done a, a tremendous job. I kind of I liken it to Carson being asked to fly through storms, whereas other Georgia quarterback pilots were uh, merely asked to you know navigate uh, calm days for the most part. <laughs> other than other than poor Jake Fromm who. Uh, got thrown in against some uh, epic Alabama teams. Uh, but um, I think Carson, how Carson played, look, to me, and, and I really hate to break it down to this two players, um, but it's Carson Beck versus Jalen Milrow, Brandon. It's who's going to play the cleaner game. Um, I think Jalen Milrow uh, is a higher ceiling player because, in, in a collegiate level, because of his ability to run the ball, because of his ability to put his team on his shoulders. I was at the Alabama-Auburn game, and the press box there is, is um, above the end zone. And I can't tell you the number of times when I saw Jalen Milrow have 10 to 15 yards of space in front of him. It was there for the taking. The entire game, anytime this guy wants to run, he's going to get 10 or 15 yards. It's, it's going to be there unless you can trap him in the pocket. It's, it's just it's very difficult. I think Carson's done a better job running, but, but we, we don't expect him to run for 100 yards. Milrow can and, and perhaps will. Uh, Milrow's decision-making um, on the epic uh, final play, uh, obviously historic. Uh, tremendous job picking out a receiver and, and, and making a beautiful throw in the bucket. Um, incredible arm strength. Uh, but but he, they make mistakes, Brandon. Alabama makes a lot of mistakes. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, I get angry when, I, when things are, are misrepresented, and almost to a fault, right? And, and people know that. Sometimes I'm, I'm too blunt and, and too critical. It goes the other way, too, though. Any talk that Nick Saban has done a better job than Kirby Smart as a coach this year is, is absolutely buffoonery. Nick Saban has done a poor job this year, a very poor job. He's had Jalen Milrow in his system for three years, and it took him three or four games to get that guy going. That's not good. That's bad. 
that's a poor job of managing your quarterback situation. And Alabama's in the predicament they are right now because they did a poor job coaching against Texas. Those coaches lost that game. It was a poor game plan. The player was not prepared. He was not confident. So I don't want to hear about a transformation after being benched in season. That means you didn't do your job in the off season. Very poor job. Watch Alabama. They make a lot of mistakes. That's what they do. When they're good, they're really good, Brandon. But they made a lot of mistakes against Auburn. Conversely, Georgia has not had that margin for error. They started the year without Dejon Edwards in the backfield. And then they lost Kendall Milton to injury. And oh, by the way, they didn't have Ladd McCarkey the first four games. And then they lost Brock Bowers. And they lost their middle linebacker, their Butkus Award finalist and team leader. Georgia has had to coach through injuries all season long and rotating lineups. They've done a phenomenal job. Carson Beck has grown into a wonderful player who doesn't make many mistakes at all. I was shocked to see an interception. Even though it was a tip, I was still shocked. Carson doesn't make those mistakes. He's done a tremendous job. He's been coached incredibly well. Georgia does have the coaching advantage, but Alabama's got a lot of talent. So if you want to know what it comes down to, it comes down to Georgia being able to play a clean game, not lose the turnover ratio, which they have in every road game this year. This is a neutral site. And the ability to take Jalen Milrow out of his comfort zone. I have a theory I'm going to share with you before we go. When, when Kirby Smart, when I asked Kirby Smart, to compare Milrow to Tebow. I did that in reference to the 2009 game, the last time two teams that were undefeated in conference play met one another, the only other time in 32 years. And that was part of the, the reason I asked about Tebow. Kirby not only compared him to Tebow, saying he was a different player, he put him on a level with Lamar Jackson, the 2016 Heisman winner and the 2019 NFL MVP. Now, you and I know that Milrow's not there yet, but Kirby Smart knows what he's doing, Brandon. And he's putting on that pressure on Jalen Milrow before the first snap in the game. Jalen Milrow is going to come out of this game a big hero or a big goat. And George is coming after him, and he's going to have to perform. All right, Mike, thanks for being here. Uh, Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll look forward to uh, seeing you in Atlanta on Saturday. And, of course, back here on the program again very soon there as well. Appreciate it, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I don't think it's an oversimplification to say this game comes down to Carson Beck versus Jalen Milrow. I don't. There's obviously a lot more guys in the game, and there's a lot of things going on here. But we kind of alluded to this a little bit the other day that, you know, Beck over the course of this season has become more and more important of a player for Georgia from the standpoint that there have been so many absences and Georgia's also just gotten better offensively. Like Auburn game, Georgia was struggling to score points, and so therefore it's Bowers over and over and over again. The difference probably between winning and losing that day, maybe, perhaps. Well, since then, this Georgia offense has become much more varied. It's become much more explosive. We believe this is the best Georgia offense of this kind of national championship era, and Carson Beck deserves a lot of credit for that. So in some respects, this is a little bit of a Beck versus Milrow battle on Saturday. But that said, I don't know how anyone could have watched a full season and think that Jalen Milrose had a better season than, than Carson Beck. I just simply don't know how you get there. I, I, I really don't. Uh, the thing about Saturday is it just so happens that Milrow is very good at something that Georgia's had its issues with. See, that's what elevates Jalen Milrow in this game. Milrow is a player who is good where Georgia is weak, and so therefore that kind of elevates his status. But the truth is, Talk to Alabama fans about Jalen Milrow. Now, they don't remember saying this now, but they certainly said this plenty. They wanted a different starting quarterback. They saw Jalen a year ago. They didn't want him. Alabama sought a different quarterback and couldn't get one. Um, they decided that Milrow was their best option. He pouted, allegedly, after the Texas game. That's why he didn't start the South Florida game, allegedly. And then everybody kind of got back on the same page again with him as the best option. Now, to his credit and to Alabama's credit, they are obviously smart enough they can take a quarterback who runs well and throws deep, and they found a way to build a game plan around a quarterback who runs well and throws deep. And it just so happens that a quarterback who runs well sort of – that's like the little tiny hole in the Death Star for Georgia for whatever reason. That's the thing that sort of <laughs> ends up being whatever that thing was. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the one weakness that could potentially sort of topple the whole battle station here. 
Uh, that's kind of the issue for Georgia. But Jalen Milrow and Carson Beck are not in the same category of quarterbacks. They're just simply not. And so that hopefully is on Georgia's side on Saturday. Let's move on now. Go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By the way, speaking of Royal Caribbean, getting ready for an unbelievable experience with Royal Caribbean in 2024. One of the things you love uh, about Royal Caribbean is obviously Perfect Day Cocoa Coat. Let me try that again. Perfect Day Cocoa K because that's the private island oasis exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And one of the things that's really amazing about Perfect Day Coco K here in 2024 is going to get even better with the debut of Hideaway Beach. Hideaway Beach is going to be a really fun sort of adults-only section of the private island here. If you do like Vegas pool parties, things like that, that's a little bit of what like Hideaway Beach, I believe, is going to kind of be like. And, you know, it's going to – all the other great stuff is going to be there. The thrill side, the chill side – tallest water slide in north america largest wave pool in the bahamas all the great things that kind of go on there still going to take place but you're just adding more to that with the debut of hideaway beach so if you've never been to perfect day coco k it's a great time to find a royal caribbean cruise vacation that's heading that way uh, jessica slater can help you out with that you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also email her jslater at dreamvacations.com that's jslater at dreamvacations.com all right a couple of things here thing number one y'all know at least a lot of you are very well aware i love coaching carousel i love coaching rumors i love coaching hires it feels like it's just fun every single year i don't know we've ever had a better coaching carol carousel than what we have here right now because the mark stoop stuff to texas a&m on saturday was so entertaining ultimately to have stoops basically be rejected by their boosters staying there at kentucky uh mike elko eventually hired but i believe that may have been now taught by a former texas a&m uh, assistant coach bobby petrino who is going back to arkansas to work as offensive coordinator for sam Pittman. now we love sam Pittman, and we're happy to see Pittman remaining employed for the 2024 season but admittedly we are shocked to see petrino going back to arkansas and this just goes to show you that in college football almost anything can happen because a lot of you know the backstory here going back years ago there was the affair that petrino had that he and the person he was having the affair with on the motorcycle together they have the wreck petrino's face all scuffed up he's got the neck brace on it's one of the most embarrassing images ever associated with an sec coach and yet somehow we're shaking all that off we're just sort of dusting it off and petrino's now going back to fayetteville now what's funny is at this stage of the game i'm not even quite so sure what kind of offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino still is at one point in time he's a terrific offensive mind but if he hadn't gotten the A&M job this past year he was slated to work at UNLV which turned out to be a really good team but nonetheless it's not like Petrino was like the hot name in coaching prior to getting the A&M job and his success at Texas A&M this past season was somewhat limited we would mostly attribute that to uh, the fact that Jimbo Fisher's really stubborn, that was kind of a dead situation anyway, and Petrino couldn't do very much to change that. So at this stage of the game, I'm honestly not sure what Arkansas is getting in Petrino. It's certainly not as simple as saying, this is an Arkansas administration willing to win at all costs, and therefore they'll you know swallow their pride and bring back a guy that once disgraced the program. I don't know that it's quite that simple because I don't know that Bobby Petrino is that good right now that's worth selling your soul for. I just don't know that's the case. Uh, but nonetheless, this is what Pittman kind of wanted to do. It's pretty clearly an about face from his previous offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, probably a little bit more in line with what Petrino once had with Kendall Bryles, who is a very good offensive coordinator. You'd like to think Petrino is going to be running some stuff somewhat similar, at least in terms of the overall explosiveness and, and, and potential for success, the way that Kendall Bryles was prior to leaving that Arkansas job to go to TCU. So that is certainly a wild situation. I'll also give you this kind of quick here. CFP Top 25 comes out again last night no change at the very top Georgia remained number one there was a little bit of like lip service pay well maybe Michigan should move up to number one after having beaten Ohio State but they remain at two you did see movement though in terms of both uh you know Washington moving up to three Florida State moving back into the top four at number four as Ohio State loses they drop down to number six now what's interesting about that is is they do stay ahead of other one loss teams Texas and Alabama for right now 
ultimately, that's a pretty dumb case to try to make that Ohio State's had a better season thus far than either Texas or Alabama. I don't know how you quite get there on the basis of a Notre Dame and Penn State win alone. I think that's a pretty big exaggeration for the most part. But this is also one of those things that will probably settle itself on the field. If Texas wins the Big 12, very easy for them to jump ahead of Ohio State. If Alabama were to win the SEC, Georgia fans don't want that, but could be easy for you know Alabama to also jump ahead of Ohio State too. So this is one of those things that likely works itself out later, but you do have to at least consider here. If the right confluence of events happens, if you have the undefeated teams lose, if it's a if it's a if it's a Washington loses, if a Florida State loses, if a Texas loses, then in terms of conferences trying to get a second team in, Ohio State staying there at six, you have to conclude they are probably still at least somewhat in this right now, the same way a, a Georgia, if it were to be runner-up in the SEC, could potentially be somewhat still in it. Ohio State probably still alive at least a little bit for right now. That's perhaps what that number six ranking should tell you about last night. Simply put, if the teams that are undefeated win this is very easy you could have four undefeateds in the college ball playoff for the first time ever uh but you also got to remember oregon's a favorite over washington and vegas on friday night florida state's only a slight favorite over louisville that game could go any way you, you possibly wanted to you know texas even with a win some people are saying they probably need some help georgia and michigan are the two easiest teams to assume that are in there but we expect georgia alabama to be a pretty big fight on saturday there too so it seemingly is one of two things it's either a rubber stamp and the top four is very easy to slot going into Sunday or it is totally and completely chaotically wild either way we plan on being on air on Sunday to react to it so we'll see you there for that make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and get ready to hear from Jake Fromm right now as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take in Huron Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take is welcoming the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm to talk about the big game coming up on Saturday, SEC Championship against Alabama. Jake, thanks for your time. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I know it was work day for you, but uh, you found some time eventually to enjoy yourself a little bit. And, uh, of course, we're glad to have you back on the show again today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Had a great weekend. Was able to uh, get home a little bit since time with the family. Do a little Thanksgiving on Sunday. So uh, back to the real world now back to work and uh, glad to be here well we are certainly happy to have you here talking about the uh, big game coming up on saturday and you kind of know both sides of this game a little bit so let's talk about i guess the positive and then we'll get to the to the other result for you uh here but in 2017 you know you guys had a chance to win the sec championship it was for georgia the first one in uh quite a while i guess it's been 12 years uh you know breaking a good drought for georgia when you guys won the sec championship there during your freshman season it was also a little bit of a revenge game for you guys because you got the retribution against auburn from when it happened a couple of weeks before so how did it feel for you to be in mercedes-benz stadium and come away with an sec championship something that at the time was a very big deal for this program how satisfying of a moment was that for you yeah, uh, I mean it was uh, it was a great feeling. Obviously, um, definitely felt uh, a little bit at home being uh, in Atlanta in the state of Georgia. Uh, definitely felt good as well to uh, get back at those guys for what they did to us a couple weeks before that. Um, we just knew we had to come out, play our game, um, really not try to do too much, and and we knew that we could go in there, and handle business, and uh, uh, and then move on to uh, what we, what we really wanted to accomplish. And um, man, had a lot of fun doing it. I'm older than you, so I don't know if this movie means to you what it meant to me, but there's the basketball movie Hoosiers where they kind of walk into the gym at the end and it's a very different type of place and what they're used to kind of playing in. And I kind of think of Mercedes-Benz Stadium sort of being the same type of way when, like, you walk in there, it's a it's a roof stadium, right? It's a very modern, fancy-type stadium compared to, you know, even the very big stadiums in the SEC don't quite look the way this one looks. When you talk about playing in a place like Mercedes-Benz as a quarterback, how different does it feel or for you is you know a game a game and a field's a field and maybe you don't know the outside part of it. When you walk into a place like that that almost looks like a spaceship or something like that, does it feel different playing in a venue like that? Yeah, um, you know, at the end of the day, yes, you know, the, the football feels the same. Um, you're just going to go out and play a game. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of these things kind of add up a little bit. You know, you're, the, the travel, the different locker room, obviously the stadium, how it feels inside. Um, you know, uh, the turf, too. I always noticed the turf there played yeah. a little bit faster uh, there. And, um, you know, just the, 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 whole, the whole thing, you know, where the shot clocks are at, 
uh, looking at the sideline. You know, then you have uh, people behind you on the sideline. So uh, there's a lot of different factors that add up. Obviously, Kirby's message is going to be to those guys, hey, we've been here before, we know it. Um, don't don't let the moment be too big. Let's just go out and play our game, and uh, we'll go take care of business. Now I'm curious. Have you seen the basketball movie from the 1980s Hoosiers? Please tell me you no, have. No, I, I, I tried to kind of avoid going down that route because I didn't want to no um, basically telling myself a little bit no, no i have not seen that movie you're telling on me for my age you're not telling on yourself but you should watch it i do think you'd <laughs> like it so uh one of these time, nights maybe you'll get a chance to do that and then on, on the flip side of that obviously you think about the 2018 game against this opponent alabama where the feeling around the game was somewhat similar you guys had played for a national championship alabama had had obviously beaten you uh and so there was a lot of hype and anticipation around that rematch there in 2018. As a player, you know, how do you process all of that? And I guess as a, uh, you know, the, the the corollary for this team here right now, kind of not making the moment bigger than it needs to be because people like me are working overtime to make it seem really, really, really big. You know, how did you guys kind of try to handle that back then? And how do these guys, you know, maybe try to handle that here right now? Yeah, um, I mean, there's just a a, uh, a lot you can do, different angles you can kind of take on it. But um, and at the end of the day, you 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 think about it, you car- uh, compartmentalize it as just, hey, I'm going to go and win my one-on-one battle. You know, for an offensive lineman, uh, I know who I'm going to be matching up against, and I've just got to win my one-on-one battle. For a receiver, hey, who who's playing corner against me? I'm just going to go and win my one-on-one battle. Obviously, for a quarterback, it's a little bit different because uh, you do different things, but um, for for ninety nine percent of the guys on the team, it's just hey, how can I win my one on one battle? Let's win those more than we lose, and we'll put the team in, a, in the right spot to go win a football game. Do you think there's a chance? Because the narrative is, well, when Georgia broke through and won this game against Alabama, not this game, but but a game against Alabama in twenty twenty one for the national championship, that crushed the mystique that perhaps Alabama had over UGA. That somehow that was a mountain Georgia couldn't climb, or like some sort of breakthrough that Georgia couldn't obtain and yet in Indianapolis in the 2021 season when Georgia did that kind of changed the viewpoint of the program perhaps moving forward the players and coaches don't say that but people around you know this game sometimes want to say that how true do you perhaps think that is in other words when you guys you know had those heartbreaks against Alabama was there any thought process of why can't we get over on this opponent? We can seemingly beat everybody else. Why can't we beat this opponent? And now that Georgia has beaten Alabama, do you think that frees up Georgia to kind of play differently in a game like this? Yeah, I mean, I never really felt uh, like it was that way. I mean, obviously when we played them, you can go back and, and watch the game and do the math on it. I mean, we, we led for 99% of – of the games combined, you know, like we, we were ahead, we were winning. Um, and it was just those last few moments of the game where they were able to, to flip it obviously in their favor. But, um, you know, maybe it kind of, uh, I, I know that kind of uh, coaches feel that way mm-hmm. sometimes, um, just hey, getting over the hump. And I know that was kind of a, a big deal for, for Kirby as well to, um, uh, be the first or one of the first, of the assistants to, to go in and, and take down the monster and coach Saban. So um, I know that that's, that's really neat. And, and now that it has been done, uh, I, I would agree. We agree with you that uh, from the player's perspective and the coach's perspective, Hey, we can, we can go out and do it again and, um, and just treat it as, a, as another football game. There are certain things that happen around a team in a game that I think some of us are not really quite so sure. Well, how much does this really mean and how much does this really impact things? Like we found out this week that Fran Brown looks like he's taking the Syracuse job. I'm recording this just prior to it being official, but it seems like that's where it's heading that, that Brown is leaving Georgia, going to become the Syracuse head coach. And obviously we wish him well as he does. But for Georgia fans, they're kind of left to wonder, okay, well, what does that mean for Georgia in a game like this? If I'm remembering correctly, Mel Tucker took the Colorado job right before the SEC championship in 2018, I believe. Do you think a coach taking a job like that right before a big game, do you think that has any impact you know, whatsoever? Did you notice anything different about the Georgia defense with Tucker you know, kind of being involved in a job search and things like that? Was there anything about that that was made different by, by that news coming out kind of right before the game? Yeah, uh, that that's a tough one uh, for me because I, I I'm on the offensive sure. side of the ball. I've never had that experience of of a coach leaving so and so to speak. You know, mid you know mid season. Uh, you know, when you're making a playoff run, 
Um, as far as a team feel, I, I know we were all really well on on his you know future endeavors, but I, I never really felt like it, uh, it it changed anything in our building of what we were trying to accomplish. I think a lot has to uh, do with with what kind of head coach you have. Um, Kirby's very hands-on anyway, and he's just going to just be even more hands-on and, and all in uh, in whatever room that is. And uh, I, I think that that his presence really kind of masks anything, uh, any or any bit of doubt that that could ensue or take place. So, uh, especially with it being on the defensive defensive side of the ball, I really wouldn't expect anything different. Uh, that you really see uh, play out on Saturday. It's our Kroger Fresh, uh, Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And obviously, if you want to enjoy the upcoming football weekend or the Christmas season that comes up after that or all the holidays that we have going on here this time of year, you want more time, more money to be able to do that. The brand-new membership opportunity from Kroger gives that to you. Check out Kroger.com slash Boost. You can find out about all the great incentives you can get for being a member of the Boost membership program, including twice the fuel points and the things you're already buying at Kroger. Also, the chance for free grocery delivery there as well. Kroger.com slash boost for a lot more on that. So, Jake, let's finish with this then. When you look at the game there on Saturday, obviously Georgia ranked number one, undefeated, trying to win a 30th straight game, which is just a remarkable uh, accomplishment. And yet Alabama is a good team. The th- you know the thrilling game uh, for them, I guess, not thrilling on the Auburn side. I'm sure your uh, brother could tell some stories about that. But but you know the win in the Iron Bowl there on Saturday, kind of showing you that Alabama is still a very formidable foe here. How do you kind of view the, I guess, the key to victory here for Georgia? And from your standpoint, how do you think this game necessarily stacks up for UGA? Yeah, I think uh, from a Georgia perspective, especially on defense, it's just about stopping the run. Uh, there's been a few teams that uh, have kind of gotten after us uh, a little bit uh, running the football. Georgia Tech, especially last week, had a lot of success running the ball, rushed for over 200 yards, um, and they ended up making it a close game when it shouldn't have been a close game. So, uh, obviously, with Jalen Milrow there at quarterback, man, he's running around. He's all over the place. Uh, just, it's gonna just you can't stop him. You just you hope that you can do your best to contain him. Um, hope, hopefully, you can slow down his legs a little bit. Um, but really, when he starts getting moving with his legs, uh, taking away those deeper shots down the field and uh, and and taking uh, an explosive play away and, and and not making it a super explosive play uh, when they get you for six. Should be a fascinating game for sure, Jake. We appreciate your breakdown and your analysis on all of that. Hopefully uh, you'll get a chance to enjoy the game Saturday. Hopefully we'll all get a chance to enjoy a Georgia win. And we'll also look forward to having you back here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily. Jake, thanks so much for your time. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you for having me. And as we're doing the interview with uh, Jake Fromm there, a late breaking here, looks like K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, is announcing his intentions to enter the transfer portal. I don't know if this is a response to Bobby Petrino riding back in on a motorcycle or what, but it looks like K.J. Jefferson is entering the portal. And if that obviously ends up being the case, that is a very, very big target, you would assume, for a lot of programs because K.J., when he's been fully healthy, has been a very successful quarterback at times for Arkansas. So one to watch there with uh, Jefferson potentially going to the transfer portal and perhaps uh, that means that Sam Bep- uh, Sam Pittman would love to have a beverage here right now and if he would then my recommendation to him would be a ready to drink cocktail like our friends from the Finnish long drink because it's a great thing for this holiday time of year here you're getting ready for some uh, holiday parties or game watching parties on Saturday Finnish long drink goes great with that the peach flavored version right here in the peach date for a limited time or the long drink zero no carbs no sugar a lot of us feel like we need that coming off Thanksgiving ahead of all these Christmas cookies and all those things we're about to start eating things like that so maybe the long drink zero is exactly what we need or the traditional in the blue can the grapefruit flavor the gin kick long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume uh long drink cranberry that's a very popular thing a lot of the folks around uh our neighborhood there as well whichever one you think you would love i I know you will so please find it out online thelongdrink.com to find out where you can pick up some finished long drink here today all right we will wrap up with a handful of uh, golden shoes here and uh, we'll roll through these here a little bit, try to create some good vibes heading towards on heading towards the SEC championship on Saturday. 
Uh, we'll get ready to take a look at our first one here right now. So you may remember uh, our friends at Woodland Revivals who gave me this terrific gift in honor of our 2000s show. A wonderful piece of woodworking, kind of the Dog Nation Daily logo. What a great thing that was. Uh, obviously, they sent this to us here this week. Throwback to the end of the summer when I made this 2000th episode plaque for BA to commemorate our favorite podcast. Uh, and obviously, if you want some of that same kind of woodworking stuff, uh, you can go to woodlandrevivals.com. Uh, Great Christmas gift. You want some uh, Georgia-themed stuff or perhaps something for somebody uh, special on your list that's maybe a little bit hard to buy for, I can tell you. I love the piece that I got. So I want to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Woodland Revivals for some great work for me and uh, perhaps a great thing for you here this holiday season. Uh, another golden shoe giving out here to our buddy Ryan Walker, who says, in honor of the classic 80s movie Bloodsport, Jean-Claude Van Damme, as uh, Frank Duke, uh, you got uh, Bolo Young. <laughs> he said, here's how I predict Saturday going. You break my record, now I break you. That's what Alabama would supposedly say. Georgia gives you the flying kick, and then the dogs win. Go for three and 23, Ryan Walker says. Always very funny. Good stuff from Ryan there on that. Another golden shoe going the way of uh, real pop 75 who's really good at these i don't know if you call this like ai style animation or, or graphics i think that's what this is he's really good at this he's sent us some of these before he says pictures from saturday uh, i am from the future you see the dog busting through mercedes-benz stadium georgia trampling all over the place there hashtag sec championship hashtag go for three and 23 real good stuff from real pop there who's really good at that kind of ai style uh graphic stuff we've seen some really good stuff coming his way from that so well-deserved golden shoe how about another one going here uh a lot of you sent this to me uh dr sec uh shared this it says life can be uh completely changed with the throw of a shoe on december 12 2020 the florida gators are boasting a nine and one record as east division champs and on the uh, cusp of improving to ten and one and facing alabama in the sec championship then the shoe throw hurt round the world happened Gators have now completed three straight losing seasons with an embarrassing 17 and 24 record since that time, as well as being outscored in their last three bowl games, 114 to 40. A lot of you uh, shared that because that is the moment our golden shoe began, and it's been all downhill for Florida ever since. And I absolutely love that. Thanks to all of you who shared that. Dr. SEC, who gave us the stat and also the photo of Marco Wilson throwing the shoe that was heard around the world and we still make fun of to this day because the lousy stinking Gators are that easy to make fun of. And speaking of them, how about our Gatorator update? It's also been 1117 days since Florida's beaten Georgia. That's good news. And we think that number is going to keep on climbing. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management.